Jewish audio on Chabad.org. In Hilchas Nachlas Pede Gimel, the Rambam goes through more specific halachas of the Pishnayim, of the double portion that a Bukhar gets. And we begin the chapter by learning two primary rules. Rule number one is that the Bukhar only gets Pishnayim from that which was already in the possession of the father when the father was alive. Anything that was that came into the possession of the father's estate only after the father passed away. For example, the father had lent money while he was alive. Even though people owed the money, people owed the money even if it was a documented loan, even if the father already had collateral for that loan, but the money he didn't have yet back. If the if the if the lender returned the money, I'm sorry, if the borrower returned the money after the passing of the father, in other words, the money was returned to the father's estate prior to the division since it wasn't already in the father's possession while the father was still alive that is monies to which the bachar will get a share like all the other brothers but he will not get the double share the other important rule that we learned in Pei gimel is that any added value that accrued to the estate of the father after the passing of the father will in many cases again not be given to the Bukhar, the Bukhar won't get from it the Pishnayim. The Bukhar will get a portion like all the other brothers. So, for example, if when the father passed away, the property then had um, already the buddings, let's say, of dates, but they were really underdeveloped. By the time they made the division, those little buddings tool turned into dates. So, the real estate itself is something from which the Bukhar will get a double portion. But on that portion, he's going to have right, those dates that now became matured. We have to assess how much were they worth when the father passed away, how much are they worth right now, and that difference of value from the dates that grew, that grew on that double portion is something that does not exclusively belong to Nebuchadnezzar, but he's going to have to uh, calculate how much is his share? He'll have a share, let's say if there were five sons, he'll have only one-fifth and not a third, and the rest of the money he'll have to give to the brothers. We learned that Abukhar has the right, after the passing of the father, to sell his double share even prior to it coming into his possession, and therefore the Bukhar also has the right to waive, to waive, to be mevater on his double portion, and the, finally, we learn that in the case of a Yibum, where the Uven was married, and God forbid he passes away, and he leaves a widow without any descendants, not from her, not from a prior marriage, not from, God forbid, out of marriage, he has no children. So there is a mitzvah on a brother to do Yibum with the widow, the brother who performs Yibum becomes like a Bukhar, meaning that he will inherit all of the state of the deceased brother. And like a Bukhar, the above two rules are rules to which will also apply that if there was something that wasn't yet in the brother's estate prior to the brother's passing, and also all of the added value that could have accrued to the estate after the brother's passing, that is something that the Yavim won't have exclusive rights to, but he'll be like all the other heirs together. In 
Hilchas Nachlois, Peidik Dalit, we learn rules concerning the establishment of a person to be a heir. First of all, we learned the rule that because of Migo, a person is believed to say regarding someone that until that point was not known to be family, that that person is a family member, that person is a brother, that person is an uncle, and that will affect the laws of Yerusha. But that's only making someone into a relative through his statement, prior to which no one knew that that person was a relative. However, if there was a person that had a brother, there was a, a presumption that, that, you know, that Shimon is the brother of Reuven. Reuven doesn't have the halachic right and believability, Ne'emonus, to say he's not. What's unique about one son is that the Torah gives the father a unique level of trustworthiness, that's the word, to, 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 to uh, rule that person is my son, that person is not my son, and accordingly we're going to follow the dinim of Yerusha, parenthetically, when a man declares regarding someone that was presumed to be his son, that this is not my son, if you think about it, that will normally render that son into a mamzer which has other halachic consequences, if that son doesn't yet have any children, the father is even believed to render his son into a mamzer. However, if that son already has children, and therefore if he, the son, is a mamzer, halachically the grandchildren are mamzerim, concerning yichus mamzerus, the zayda is no longer believed. But coming back to our laws, Yerusha is something for which a father is always believed to declare that person is or that person is not my son. Bechlal, when it comes to the laws of inheritance, this is important, a heir, a relative, doesn't, never needs to bring halachic witnesses that will prove that that person is the relative, a chazaka, the prevailing presumption, suffices for all of the dinim of Yerusha. And finally, in Allah Dalit, we have a very interesting scenario where there are two known brothers, Reuven and Shimon. After the passing of the father of Yaakov, Reuven finds a third party, let's call him Levi, and Reuven says, Levi is really a third brother. So Shimon, depending on what he answers, whether I don't know or whether I know not, um, but generally, since Shimon did not bring that info, if Shimon even only puts a doubt on it, Shimon won't lose his 50%, because as far as Shimon is concerned, there are only two sons. As far as Reuven is concerned, since he said there is a third son, he will only receive a third, and many other details concerning this halacha inside the Patek. Hilchas Nachlois, Pedekei, uh, introduces two rules with many um, simple and complicated um, applications for these two rules. And here are the two rules of Pedekei. Rule number one, and these are the words of the Rambam. Kol shnei yorishim, shoha'echod mehen yorish vadai v'hasheni safek, ein l'safeklum. Whenever there are two heirs, one of them certainly is an heir. There is another person who is only a doubtful heir. The rule is, is that the vadai, the certain heir, will get it all, and the suffolk will get nothing. However, if after the passing of a person, there are various parties, and they all have a suffolk, whether they are the heirs or not, if both of them are a suffolk, 
then we apply the rule of Cholkin, we divide the estate to both of these people who might be an heir. Now, it's, it's a very important uh, rule. Again, rule number one, rule number two, Echad Vaday, Echad Safik, Einle Safik Lum, both Sveikos, Cholkin, and the chapter goes through phenomenal, phenomenal scenarios, which applies these two rules in all of the cases as we have inside Pedekeh.